Backcountry.com presents Is This Cake? <laughs> Hello, everyone. What's going on? I'm Nils Mindnick, and this is the Backcountry Podcast, a show aimed at providing insight into the outdoor industry by interviewing people who operate within it. Today, I'm going to be talking with Justin Clark. I've known Justin for a long time, and watching his career arc has been nothing short of super inspirational. From starting out as a shop kid at Milo Sport in Salt Lake City to pursuing his degree in mechanical engineering at the University of Utah, then moving on to become the senior global design engineer of snowboards for K2. Justin's journey has been a result of lots of hard work and never ending focus. Justin, what up, bro? How are we doing? Good, Thanks man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this man. I'm psyched. Yeah, I'm psyched you're able to hop on. Um, how, you know, we're kind of transitioning from summer into fall and things are getting colder and you know i know like all the movie premieres have been starting to pop off and how uh how was your summer man it was good you know had some i've been dealing with some knee things for uh last two years a couple knee surgeries so you know not as much you know going to mount hood and going to europe to snowboard or all the fun stuff been able to surf which has been great yeah um so it's been a mellow summer um but uh yeah, all good now and super excited for the fall and to get winter going. I mean, it's, I, you know, we had such a good winter last year in Utah and I really wasn't able to capitalize just because of all the injuries. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to this year and just having a, a nice fresh start to it all. And yeah, yeah, but yeah. I just, feeling strong. Oh, yeah, feeling strong. Uh, you know, would like to go on another surf trip before winter. I counts. was going to say, I know, uh, I feel like I'm, uh, I've been a bit envious. I feel like you've leaned into surfing this off season and kind of like doubled down on it in a way. What what was up with the, uh, we bumped into each other down in Mexico and you kind oh, of yeah. had a pretty sick setup. What was up with that? Uh, yeah. Uh, my girlfriend and I, we bought an Astro van and uh, built it out and drove it down to Mexico to leave down there. Luckily there's direct flights from Salt Lake City to Baja. So you can sort of, you know, if there's a nice swell over a weekend, you can kind of rip down there, go catch some waves and come back. It's a pretty insane setup to have for, you know, trying to be a Utah surfer. It's pretty much the <laughs> only way you can do it uh, to get good waves. Uh, but yeah, we To go to the ocean. Yeah, to go to the ocean. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's no, no, no river waves here. And, uh, you know, California is fun to surf, but it's always a little small in the summertime. And that's when I have the most free time to surf. So, yeah, going down to Mexico a bunch is definitely really really nice to be able to do that how many trips did you do down there this year uh for this summer which is rad hopefully (laughs) hopefully one or two more if i can catch some good south swell but yeah we had a sick time when we met up down there yeah waves really good yeah it was rad no man it's fun so then you um you grew up in salt lake city right yep and how did you find yourself kind of getting in the mix with the snowboarding scene in salt lake how did that start out um you know it's interesting growing up in Salt Lake because, you know, if you've been here, I've uh, been around snowboarding events, you realize it's sort of the mecca of snowboarding. Um, so many people move here specifically to snowboard. And I guess it's something I sort of just grew up within, you know, like from the age of 12, I was at the skate park with people like Kale, Zima and Sam Taxwood and Ben Billet and all these guys. So all, it was just always, I guess, like around me. Um, and then around seven, 16, 17 years old, I, you know, I really wanted to work at Milo Sport, the snowboard shop in Salt Lake. And that was sort of, I guess, like 
my foot in the door to like actually, you know, like it, the scene of snowboarding, like getting to meet more people. And then, you know, you start going to premieres and events and I guess it just sort of just grows from there. So that was, that was, I guess, how I sort of broke into the scene, but it's interesting here. Cause you're just, if you're kind of into skateboarding or snowboarding, you're sort of naturally just like a part of it, I guess, for the yeah. most part. Yeah, totally. No, I know it's funny to see. Cause like, you know, I moved here from Vermont, as you know, and I went yeah. to high school up in Park City. And even being in high school up in Park City, it was kind of like a bit more uh, insulated from yeah. like a lot of things happening. And I was, con- you know, contest focused at the time. But then coming down to Salt Lake, I remember like meeting you and all the Milo Sport guys kind of just felt like this instant uh, catapult into like the snowboarding industry in, in Salt Lake. And as you were saying, right, there's kind of a lot going on. So if you get, you immerse yourself in it and then all of a sudden you have like kind of the understanding and the connections and you start to get that like ground level, uh, you know, perspective of like how the industry works. Do you feel like working, sort of starting at that like entry level retail sets you up with like really good foundations to move forward? Oh yeah, I mean, without a doubt. Like my, I wouldn't be where I am today without Milo. Like having retail experience. So starting at the very bottom level and then now where I'm at is product design and engineering, having that perspective from top to bottom. So, you know, if I'm designing a product, I understand how someone has to sell it on the shop floor. Yeah. Um, So that experience at Milo was so important to my future. um, And I learned so much about it. And Milo is really special because it's so connected with the community in Salt Lake. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just like, it hosts so many events and it brings so many people together. So it's, it's really like, it's hard to get a job there, but if you get a job there, you can, it just opens a million doors Mm -hmm. for you to do whatever you really want to do. It's almost like, yeah, I feel like there's a parallel to it with, um, I mean, there's like a lot of retailers, right? Like backcountry, for example, you know, you can kind of have that transitional experience of like starting lower down and then you get a lay, a lay of the land, if you will, yeah, or totally. like even um, like high cascade, you know, like the Mount Hood scene, especially for like if you're going into the filming photography or pro snowboarder route. Yeah. Um, seeing how many people have come through that pipeline. It's just it's like an interesting indicator because from the outside, you know, we've, it, that's 10 years ago. Yeah. Right? And oh, like, yeah. I'm a pro snowboarder. You're, you know, the <laughs> global the senior engineer superstar <laughs> for K2. Like. But it's interesting to see that there's like a few, there's always, and I bet a lot of industries are like this, but to see the like probability and correlation of like, oh, if you want to do something in snowboarding and work in snowboarding, like if you started at, you know, that retail store, you probably have a pretty good chance of finding your path. Or if you went to like hood for the summer and things clicked, like you're, there's a good chance you'll find your path. And it's kind of, I don't know, it's like cool to think about, right? Because oh, yeah. like when you're in it, you don't really realize. Yeah. For sure. It took me a few years to realize it. And I had like a, a, a really cool moment, uh, last year at a, one of like an event up at Powder Mountain where, you know, tons of brands come and showcase all the new products for the following season. It's called interlude. And there was, I think 12 Milo employees, like previous Milo employees over three generations there working for all of like the top brands. So it was just like that really cool moment of like yeah. exactly what you're saying. Like, put yourself into this position and like 
the chances of you flourishing and doing what you want to do are yeah. super high. Yeah. 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 Dang, yeah it's that's, pretty amazing. Dude, that's cool. And then like, so you're a shop kid, you're probably trying to snowboard your heart out, you're skating, yep. you know, you're super, you're big skater as well and a surfer and now a biker and yeah, a, trying avid, to do it all. Yeah. You know? Avid action sportsman. <laughs> At like what point did you realize you wanted to design snowboards? Like, did that kind of happen overnight or were you sort of like finding your way during this time period and, and fell into making that decision? Like what, what initiated that change? Cause it led to like a really big commitment that we'll, we'll get into. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, through, I guess like my whole childhood into my teens, whatever, I always really liked working with my hands and I credit that to my parents. Um, just always encouraging me to like try to build stuff. And so I think I knew I had a natural knack for working on things and just sort of understanding how stuff works, but school itself never really did it for me. Um, like, you know, pretty much once I found skateboarding, it was like, I could care less about school. I just <laughs> want to skateboard. Um, and I always, I, I think I knew in the back of my head that I was smart, but it just wasn't, you know, like high school itself wasn't motivating to me. And so, you know, but my, as I got into college and was working at Milo, you know, my parents, you know, they really encouraged me to like, Hey, you, you should go to college, like just try and feel it out, figure it out. Um, and yeah, I kind of weaved through that path for quite a while, about three years, um, at Salt Lake Community College, just having no clue what I wanted to do working at Milo at that time. Um, but I always, when I was working at Milo, I was super into product. Like I always loved knowing every little detail about every product, how that worked, how it was, tried to figure out how it was designed, understanding all the little tech pieces I possibly could. And at that time, I was working with uh, Brandon Hammond, who you know well. Um, he's a former pro snowboarder for Arbor, um, worked at Milo forever, and he was going to school for mechanical engineering at the time. So we would, uh, you know, Cal, who owns Milo, probably doesn't want to hear this, but we would do uh, eight-hour shifts on Sundays at the shop, and Brandon would pretty much do homework the entire day. And I, and I would always sort of like, you know, peek over his shoulder, like, what are you working on? Like, what's up with this kind of, and he would explain all the stuff he was doing and it sort of, then it just kind of clicked like, whoa, I think engineering's for me, you know? And, and it's funny to like, think back to like, you know, high school, I was so unmotivated to go to school. And then here I'm now picking the hardest major that you can do at the University of Utah. Yeah, you right. Know? Not being like the standout valedictorian, you know, quote unquote nerd. Yeah, yeah. From high school. Exactly. Like the snowboard, skateboard kid. Yeah, 100%. And, and kind of, you know, like parallel pathing that I was wanting to build snowboards or like I was so into the product at the shop that I was like, oh man, I like, I want to work with fiberglass and like try to build things just because that's always been sort of like my nature. And I realized, you know, I didn't have any money at that time at all. Like I was so broke. And so, and I'm, I think probably 21 at this point, 21, 22. And so I decided like, well, I can't make snowboards, but, um, you know, pow surfers were becoming a thing at that point. And I was like, well, maybe I can make pow surfers and start using these like initial concepts that I'm learning in school, in engineering school to 
understand how fiberglass works yeah. and understand how to build stuff like that. So that was sort of like, I guess the initial catalyst to like when the, the switch flipped for me to be like, I want to do engineering. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and specifically I want to make snowboards. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. That's crazy. What was a quick context for everyone uh, listening? If you don't know, like pow surfers have been a really cool, almost like full circle cult passion of yep. a lot of snowboarders and skiers and people that like riding pow. Um, essentially it's a snowboard without bindings. So there's like a soft top. It's a bit of a wider, you know, like base underfoot, maybe like a shorter board, but honestly having done it it's yeah it is really similar to surfing and it almost you feel like you you know you kind of take away some aspects of uh the control you have on a snowboard and it like reintroduces you to that like sort of out of control playfulness that you like got you hooked on snowboarding or skiing in the first place just yep. for some context but uh what, yeah exactly <laughs> what was the name of uh your enterprise you started it is, it's called stony surfers <laughs> And so my middle name is Stone. Yeah. Uh, most people call me Jay Stone. Yeah. And so that's where, yeah, a, a buddy of mine, Ryan Landham, he was, we were working at Milo together one day and he was standing on one of the first boards I made and he's like, dude, I'm going to need one of Stoney's surfers. <laughs> and I was like, well, there we go. I guess that's the name. So we're, we're starting it off there. Oh man. And then like, okay, so there's, you're like starting out school, you're starting essentially like uh, your first company which is like a, a business right but you're doing all of it you're designing and then you're like working on selling and marketing and all that stuff yeah um, yeah pressing the boards everything and you know how was it like what I'm trying to get at is that along through college because again contextually I was like a year behind you in college it was kind of yep. cool to see because Hamid was a few years ahead of us yep. there was you and then I was sort of on the track to be doing a, a similar thing right like yep engineering snowboarding design um unlike you though uh, i was not doubling down with the amount of work i was doing in my free time and i feel like it's cool because we'll get in to see how much that's paid off for you but like you know you're doing pow surfers and then what were like some other ways through school that you're trying just to like leverage what you were learning in the classroom and like directly channel it back into snowboarding you know like the your internship and then like your, your capstone project and all that, yeah, like yeah, everything, yeah. the whole time it was cool. You're just like had one specific goal Yeah, through the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I guess and like, yeah, I'm going to interrupt you one more time, oh, yeah, but like, yeah, dude, ahead. to be like in college as like a young adult and to know what, it, what it is that you want to do and get out of college. Like, I think that helped you so much as opposed to just, yeah, you had those like, float around years, but it was, it was really cool to see. Cause you were just like focused on one specific thing yeah. and that allowed you to really specialize yeah, on yeah. that one thing. Yeah, totally. I think uh, also one other part of that is, so during that time, so I was doing, working at Milo, running this power surf company, making boards. And then I was also a sub rep for Solomon snowboards. Yep. Um, and so that was really cool because, you know, I was getting retail experience, but then I was getting kind of like that halfway in between like an in-house employee. So getting rep experience to understand how to work with other shops. So as I'm going to school and starting to learn design stuff, um, I'm, I'm sort of seeing the whole business of snowboarding and how I can really utilize each 
portion of that to become an engineer to make products. And basically, yeah, like, so what you were alluding to is from all of those things, Milo, working at Solomon, making PAL surfers, I got a bunch of opportunities from that. Uh, basically, people, you know, at Solomon, um, Chris Granier, he, so he was a pro for Solomon at that time, and he was getting offered a new pro model. And one day he walks into Milo and he goes, hey, uh, I don't really know what the hell I want for this new board. And uh, I know you know a lot about product and you're like going to school for engineering, right? So do you want to design my pro model? And I'm just, you know, I'm just like, yes, this is like everything I've been working towards, you know, like focusing so hard on school and like trying to learn every aspect of all these things. And so it was just like, are you serious? This is like, this is a dream come true opportunity. I was like, dude, I have so many ideas. Like, let's get to work, you know? And so I got to work with their head engineer who you've worked with as well, designing boards. Um, so that was really like that first foot in the door um, to, you know, and I was starting to learn a bunch of CAD in school at that time. And now I'm like, wow, I'm directly applying what I'm learning in school, like learning how to design things. And I get it make a snowboard for this big company. Um, and then from that, I got another opportunity with niche snowboards to basically do the same thing. They saw the PAL surfers and they were like, hey, will you design a, two powder boards for us? And it was just like, is this actually happening right now? You know, like, it's just, this is crazy. This is everything I've been working towards. So that was, um, yeah, like having that focus of like, this is what I want to do. And just sort of like trying to take any opportunity I can and work as hard as I can towards this end goal, which I didn't know, never knew how it was going to shake out, like where I would end up or anything like that. But it was just like, yeah, I, I want to do this. So I'm going to work super hard. And yeah, that's, that's sort of like how I guess everything parallel path to get those first little opportunities. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then, I mean, that again, towards the end of school, you did, um, you know, you're like senior design project. Yeah. 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 And so that was, yeah, that was cool. Um, and it was, it was sort of like a kill two birds with one stone situation because so I was making pal surfers still at the time. Um, and when I got into making pal surfers, I didn't have enough money to build a press, uh, cause presses are, you know, like six grand or like six grand minimum, uh, for all the steel and everything like that. So I, figured out how to build a vacuum bag and I started vacuum bagging boards, which was uh, really cool. And I was able to make really awesome stuff at that time, but I really wanted to take the designs of my boards to the next level. And I wanted to build like a super, you know, sophisticated, like automated press with like all digital readouts and everything. And I basically pitched it to our senior design professor who was also a composites engineer for NASA and he was super stoked on the idea. So it was basically like, I get to do a senior design project and try and build some really cool stuff that I get to use after school. And that was, yeah, so it was, it was a little selfish, but uh, it all worked out. The presses were at, I still have it. Um, and that's what I use to make power servers today. Sick. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty <laughs> rad. Dang. And then dude, like out of I mean, things kind of just kept snowballing from there. Right. Like, it was, I remember we were still in school together and you were talking to K2 already about like a positioning that like engineering position that opened up with them. Yeah. It was, so it was, um, 
it was kind of a crazy situation. So it was probably about year three of school. Um, and so from working with niche, they, so they're out of the mothership in Austria, which is Capitas factory. So I, I was working with that factory and they sort of lined up a job with Capita. So that was sort of my plan is I was going to, you know, right out of school, I was going to move to Austria, start an engineering job with them, which was crazy, you know, flipping your life upside down, moving to another country. Um, was definitely, you know, cool opportunity, but super intimidating. And so, yeah, you know, I went to an SIA, I, I met with the guys at Capita and SIA is the big trade show, um, met with them and it was, it was all good. We're like ready to go. And at that same trade show, I met Tom Johnson, who's, he's the marketing director for K2 snowboarding and skis. Um, so I met him for the first time at that, uh, trade show we shared a hotel room together with a few other friends and he's like you know he just started at k2 and basically was like hey you know what's going on what's your plan and i didn't know at that time that they were looking for a snowboard engineer um and so he was sort of picking my brain and he's like i was like oh yeah i'm gonna go work for capita and he's like oh okay cool well you know let me show you the line um so he showed me the line He was super nice and that was that i was like about to cool you know like i was gonna head out to austria for the summer to kind of get things rolling and then once i graduated i was gonna move move back you know there full time and right you know a few weeks before i'm about to move to austria for the summer uh everything falls out from under me uh basically they couldn't get work visas in time so a bunch of just like logistical stuff happened and and yeah so it left me like uh, what the hell am I going to do now? You know, and just funny enough, I K2 replied to a story of mine on Instagram of me skating like middle of the summer and it was Tom and he's like, Hey, why are you still in Salt Lake? And I told him what happened. And the next day I get an email offering me their head engineer position. <laughs> and it was just like, what? Like, are you serious? And Tom like fully vouched for me. And it was just like, this is the guy like, and it was just like a, you know, I went from having almost moving to Europe to then like, and that was like a low level engineer position there yeah. to then like the, the engineer for all snowboards for K2, like the next week, you know? So it was just like such a, I couldn't have. The dichotomy between those two like options, you know, couldn't yeah. be more like clear. And I'm, yeah. And I'm so happy with how it all worked out. Like, it's, it's like a dream come true to like have ended up where I am now, you know, yeah. at K2. So pretty crazy. Yeah. So it was like a full whirlwind, but part of it was, you know, when I interviewed, like they were like, Oh, you're, you're not done with school. And I'm like, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the thing about that. So they're like, okay, well we want to make this work. So how about you move to Seattle for the summer, move back to Salt Lake, finish school. And then once you're done, move back up to Seattle and we'll get going like full on. And I was like, done deal. Sounds good. And so like probably two weeks later, I moved to Seattle and slept on my friend Max's couch for three months. Um, just, yeah, shout out to Max Tokunaga for letting me stay there. Um, and yeah, I just slept on a couch and just grinded. It was like 60 hours a week working. Just, I was like trying to absorb as much info as I could and just, you know, get my feet wet and 
really get a handle on just such a complex thing that is building and designing snowboards. How was that transition? Because I feel like, and this will kind of turn into a two-part question, but like the first part was when you started working for K2, you know, you're still in school. I, like, I remember that. You were showing yeah. up to the computer lab, like, trying to finish off. Like, you think you were in, like, heat transfer or something yeah, like yeah. that. Like, and then you're working on your capstone project and, like, dealing with the logistics of getting a thousand-pound press into the school for yeah. a presentation and all this. And, like, but then you also had this huge, like, tank of a of the Dell, la- the Dell laptop yeah. that you're, like, trying to, like, email. Cockroach of computers. <laughs> yeah. just wouldn't die. survive a nuke. Yeah, you're like, there's a photo of you. I don't. We'll have to pull it up. But you had three computers laid out oh, in yeah. like a dark computer lab of like senior project on your personal computer, homework on like the computer lab one, and then like your work computer on the side. And I was like, how many plates can you be spinning, you man? Dude, it was that was, yeah, that time was. I mean, well worth it. Like I'm, I like to work hard, but. I mean, it, I mean, you, you know how hard engineering school was just as it is. Um, and then adding three jobs on top of it was just like so crazy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of like till midnight in the computer lab, wake up at 6am, do it all over again, every single day, seven days a week. Like yeah. it was gnarly. Yeah. You were, but, I remember some days you had, you had a truck camper, mm-hmm. right? And weren't you like sleeping in your truck camper so you didn't have to drive like 30 minutes home? Yeah, exactly. Yep. So I just, <laughs> yeah, I like just in the parking lot, hop into the back of the truck, go to bed, wake up 6 a.m., you're at school, perfect. <laughs> Just go right back to the computer lab. But Yeah, that was a savage time period. Yeah. So then what was it like starting out at K2? How, how much of a foundation did you feel like you had and how clueless, if you had to maybe divide it up, of 100% of knowledge, yeah, yeah, yeah. what percentage did you feel like, oh, I've done this, I know this, and then what percentage of your job requirement where you're like oh god oh man uh that's a good question i would say probably 20 percent of like okay i've done this before and then the rest was just like and i guess that you know like i was familiar with overall like manufacturing processes from school and then as well just doing stuff on my own but really like getting into the nitty gritty was such an eye opener of like, wow, there's so much to learn, you know? And like, you know, because my job isn't only designing the product, it's, you know, manufacturing and process engineering and quality control. So there's all those things that you have to learn and and it's specialized, right? So it's just, you have to do it to learn. Like there's no, there's no amount of school that will prepare you for a specific job. And I mean, that's why we like, you know, mechanical engineers, we do so much. It's like the Swiss army knife of engineering. Like you're not specialty in one thing, but you learn a lot so you can apply those topics and knowledge to whatever you end up getting into. So yeah, it was, it was a, a big learning curve for sure. But I was like, and that was why I would work basically my first year. I pretty much worked 60 hours a week. Like, remember that. and I was just like, I need to, and, and I, you know, like, I've always felt like if I'm going to do something, I want to go hundred percent on it. And, and that was how it was going to be. I wasn't going to just sort of go through the motions and be like, ah, whatever. I'll, I'll figure out that problem next week. It was like, no, I want to like 
I want to get as proficient as possible as quickly as possible so I can really start having a lot of fun with this and, you know, make my visions come to life. So yeah, it was, it was rough for yeah. sure, but yeah. it was all so worth it. Yeah, totally. And you know, before I kind of want to talk about, we'll transition in a second to like talk about the specifics of some of the boards you've worked on and yeah. we got them lined up back here and we'll get into that. But also I feel like contrasting you and myself, you know, we we're both in engineering school I was pursuing pro snowboarding, you're pursuing snowboard design and you just, and granted this might've been a lack of, I might've just been lazy, but I feel like you had like a really good knack for what the, like what a snowboard should have or look like, or the designs of like the specifics of how a snowboard should operate and what on a, on a design scale, what that looks like. Because for myself, I like, I get on something I'm like oh, it's kind of soft. Yeah. Okay, let's get let's get into it. Let's yeah. let's huck a back seven right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. You and know, I, like, I think that's like I mean that's. But you, you know. just you really know like you could even I remember you were seeing a board that I worked on Solomon with and you were like saw a video of me riding in the park and you're like, oh yeah, is it kind of like hard staying like solid off the lip or something? The side cut looks like it's not long enough for jumps. And I was like, he's right. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the funny thing is, you know, um Did that come naturally? I don't know if it necessarily came naturally. I think I think the background that I have as far as like working at Milo, um you know, we would go to every demo possible and, and we would be testing, you know, I probably test close to 100 snowboards a season. You get demos dropped off at the shop. And so, you know, with my type of brain I'm trying to pick apart how things are feeling because if I have a better understanding of how the board rides then when someone comes into the store I can sell it to them better right so that was I guess my initial kind of thought process on how I was sort of breaking down snowboards without even knowing at that time I was like okay I'm doing snowboard design it was like I just want to be a good salesman and, and make sure I'm getting people on the proper equipment so they have the most fun so they want to come back to Milo and make another purchase and you know so that was i guess like the the start of it all but i I do think with so with pro snowboarders it's really funny there's i think you've come into your own on this um but like you know you specifically you filmed an entire video part on like one of the softest intermediate snowboards i remember that that solomon makes and all of us were just like how is this how is he doing it? But like, you're so good that you could just make it work. But so where I think I have enough skill on a snowboard to be proficient. Um, but it's not like, I'm not like ultra talented where I can just make anything work. Right. So like, I'm now like, okay, how can I, you know, as I'm designing a snowboard, like how can I utilize flex patterns and different tech to really enhance this, um, where it's going to be, make a bigger difference for someone like me because I'm not as good at snowboarding as someone like you. So I, that's sort of, I guess, how like the background started of, you know, really getting into the nitty gritty of design. And then once I actually was able to see everything come to life at K2 and, you know, dive into under what's under the top sheet, then it really started like coming to life from there. Yeah, totally. And let's, I mean, let's get into that. What's your, and this could go on for a long time, so we're yeah. gonna try keep it keep it cliff, quick. Cliff notes it. This give me the cliff notes of your snowboard design process. Where does it start, and like 
where does it kind of end? I'm sure you know. Yeah. Starts with like, well, here's the board already, yeah. but we need to update it or change. Yeah. X. I, yeah, I think so. If you're if you're starting a board from scratch, um, and you know this is this is where it really comes into like you have to worry about the brand as much as what you're personally doing. So like I, you know, when I came into K2, it's like you look at the brand top to bottom. Okay, where are their holes? Where are their boards that are just outdated or really need improvement? So you want to have like an overall target, right? For if it's like a super aggressive all mountain board or a park board or whatever, you have your understanding of where it's gonna fit into the line and if there's a need from customers for this style of board. So you start there. Is it like market, what's it viable? Market research. Mar or yeah, yeah. Is it like a viable product or something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you know, you're, you don't wanna make some crazy off the wall board that, you know, would make no sense and only speak to like 10 people around the world. The XLT. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> every, yeah. every brand's gone down this route yeah. of ending up with a way too specialized board. Solomon yeah. had this board called the, the XLT, which is, would be great for like someone with a size seven foot looking to go 30 feet out of a half pipe. And then aside from that, it maybe didn't. And that's Nils. Yeah. <laughs> Nils is the only one. I that, loved it. He's the only one that liked it. Everyone else is like, this thing's terrifying to ride. <laughs> But yeah, totally no, yeah. keep going with that. All right, so there's yes. your product need. Yeah, and so so yeah, really it's like you start with the brand, um, you know, product need, where is it going to fit into the market? And then from there, uh, I mean, I've definitely been super fortunate with K2 that they've pretty much given me the green light to do whatever I think is best, which is I'm super fortunate to be in a like a product design position like that because that's pretty rare. Um, and that comes from having all that experience from, you know, retail to repping to product design. Um, and so, you know, I, I, my best interest is making the best board for the customer 4k too. And so from there, it's sort of like open season with what I want to do with it, as long as it's sort of hitting this market segment. So with, with tech, you know, you have like, okay, there's a price point. So, if it's in a certain price point, you can't put every piece of new tech into the board because it will be too expensive for the customer. So you kind of have to understand like what you're what you're trying to get out of the board, and then that sort of will then drive what tech you want to put into the board or what extra features. But I try to start out with you know a few different shapes just because like shapes are fun to play around with, a few different side cuts, a few different flex patterns. I try to get you know a really good uh, chassis, just something super solid with not a lot of tech built into it. You sort of want to get like 90% of the board super, super dialed before you start adding stuff in, right? So, cause if you start like, if you make five different prototypes and they have five different crazy layups, you don't really know what is Changing. interacting with what. And, and so it's really hard to decipher that. So you want to start like almost bare bones and then kind of get what you feel like is like a dialed platform and then you start adding in some carbon or you start like then tweaking things from there. And that's, that's kind of like, I guess the foundation of how you go from concept to your initial prototypes yeah. to then, you know, final product. Yeah. But there's totally. a, yeah, a lot of steps in between. Yeah, for sure. I can imagine. And let's, I kind of, I want to get into the, uh, the alchemist. Yeah. Cause I think the whole story of the alchemist is almost, and we're going to get into this right now. It's like a pretty cool, almost like symbolic, climatic. You're, you are an engineer 
successfully doing your job pinnacle product like yeah give me give me the, let's let's get into the story of the alchemist yeah totally yeah so it's all uh I'll grab all, it, you, you grab it. um so yeah this was um the first board i got to design at k2 um you know when i started uh so a little a little backstory on how this thing came to be so i i started um, in that summer, like I was talking about previously, and I went up to Mount Hood. Basically, they were having a big K2 week up there. They have a house up there, and uh, I got invited up, like, hey, you know, come up and ride a bunch of boards and get familiar with the line. So, you know, I was like, okay, sounds good. Um, went up there and rode a bunch of stuff and rode this one board called the Joy Driver, which was their uh, all-mountain, like, hard charger board and hated it like absolutely hated it i was like this is one of the worst snowboards i've ever ridden in my entire life i took two runs on it what was bad about it just camber profile was it had not enough camber way too much rocker so the tips and tails were just flapping you couldn't hold an edge it was way too narrow for the type of board it should be it was just stiff in the weirdest places, like torsionally super stiff between the feet. So you couldn't foot steer it at all. Everything about it was just awful. Like it was one of the, it was one of the worst snowboards I've ridden for sure. Um, and so basically one of those first meetings when I started was I was like, Hey, I just rode this board and, and this is terrible. We need to scrap this thing and start from scratch. And, you know, K2 has always been, uh, a free ride brand, like from the very beginning, they've been like through and through the American free ride brand. And so with, with that being said, I was like, we need to make an all new free ride board. We're getting rid of this joy driver board and we're starting from scratch. And I basically, you know, sort of with the help of Tom and our product line manager, Megan, uh, pitched this idea of the alchemist. We didn't know it was called the alchemist at the time, but pretty much the whole thing was let me make the craziest snowboard I can make with the most amount of tech that will be like our pinnacle flagship free ride board and everything like just, just give me that opportunity. And they were like, yeah, no questions asked. Let's go for it. So it, it was pretty insane. Like, you know, no cap on budget to try stuff uh, like, and like a limitless amount of materials, prototyping, everything. And so it was just like, you know, think about I've had, I was going to school for ever, you know, yeah, such yeah, a long time. I had years. so many ideas and this was my first opportunity to just like let them all out and do whatever I wanted to do. And I had full control of it. And I was the, it was like, you know, kid in a candy store. I was like, I can't believe this is actually happening right now. So yeah, it was like, so every, when the time of launching this board, every piece inside of it was new tech for K2. So it was like a complete overhaul of their line with the first board. And so really, yeah, this one, like I've always loved riding powder. I mean, growing up in Utah, it's hard not to. Um, and so this board specifically like, really spoke to me as far as riding style goes. I've always liked boards like this. And so I had a, you know, a good idea of what I wanted to do with the board. But yeah, it would just, it was a lot of trial and error, trying new things uh, to, to really get to this point. Yeah, I mean, and if you like, I'm not sure if you can really see it on the camera, but like, if you can see the uh, like the construction layup underneath this thing, yep, 
there's a lot going on. Yeah. What was like your, uh, can you kind of, is there like a elevator pitch of what the guts of this thing has? Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is, this could be like its own podcast. There's so I know, much stuff I know. That's yeah. why I'm like, elevator pitch, give yeah. me two minutes. So the, the first thing that was like, I think the standout with this board, like you saw in the, the original graphic of the alchemist was like this clear window in the nose and it was like a, this transparent nose. And I think that took a lot of people by surprise. Like, well, what's going on with that? So that tech is called space glass. So it's a, uh, this is a mouthful. It's an American made uh, pre-cured fiberglass. So it's pre-cured fiberglass in the tip and the tail, or in the tip of this board, in the tip and the tail of this antidote behind me, made by Hexel, which is the company, you know, they're actually in Utah over by USANA Amphitheater. They make all the carbon fiber and fiberglass for NASA. So that's where space kind of came into the space glass name of it all. But that's a really, really cool, unique material because it's really low, uh, low swing weight. So it's super lightweight for its strength. And then it reduces a lot of chatter. So all the, like normally mm. when you're riding on hard pack, all the chatter is going to start on the nose of the board and yeah. then resonate through your edges. Yeah. So if you can stop the chatter in the nose of the board, you're going to prevent it from going through. Transmitting through the rest of the board. Yeah. yeah and so you're going to hold a, a better edge. So that was a, I think like the initial, like the first piece of tech that was pretty like revolutionary for this board. Um, the core de core design of this is really unique. The core underneath the bindings is actually angled out towards the edges at 30 degrees. Um, so if you think like, you know, wood is strongest in the direction of the grain. Yeah. So by having the wood go from edge to edge underfoot, it's like, night and day more responsive mm -hmm. edge to edge it's crazy like if you have this core in your hand and you try to flex it where the binding is it's so stiff mm -hmm. and that really makes this thing super lively edge to edge like you know any little bit of pressure you put into the edge and it just goes responsive it, yeah, yeah it's really cool and then a big one on this is uh so this is a patented technology that we have it's called spectral braid and you can sort of if you can see it through the the top sheet, it's this uh, fiber that's basically weaving from top to bottom through the board. Um, and so this is really unique because this is the only fiber system out there in snowboards that you can tweak the tip to tail flex and torsional flex of the board independent from each other. Mm. So you either have, you know, triax glass or biax glass in a board, but this you can see it changes angles throughout the board. So if you have, you know, more of a, a plus minus 45, so like an X pattern in yeah. the tip and the tail, yeah. that's going to make it more torsionally stiff. So whatever direction the fiber is going, the stiffness is in that direction. Yeah, I see. And so you can see that it changes angles yeah. in the center of the board, and that makes it torsionally soft between the feet. Which so is nice for like kind of having your, uh, I guess like foot turning and like center board responsiveness. Exactly. Yeah. So you can sort of like gas pedal the board. Yeah. But since the fibers are going more tip to tail between the feet, mm -hmm. instead of in that X pattern, you still keep the stiffness of the board. So it doesn't become a noodle between the feet, yeah. but it's torsionally soft. So yep. it's pretty incredible. And yeah. how they make this stuff, it's, you're basically, it looks like you're 3d printing fiber. Wild. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty insane. So it's a, it's a really unique process that cool. um, definitely makes this board shine. And then how was, um, this is your first 
project with K2. Yep. How was the response? What did people like it? <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, to, to my surprise, it was, you know, like, I guess, you know, I had at the time Pat Moore was writing for K2 and then Sage had just gotten on. And so those, those guys were writing it and they were like, dude, this thing's awesome. But you never, you never totally, know. I mean, for me, I was like, I don't know, it's my first real project. I don't know how people are going to react to it in the market. Maybe they'll like it. Maybe they won't. And yeah, it turned out to be like a huge hit. It's first year won a bunch of board of the year awards in the first year, which was like, do you know how many, uh, it was definitely two, yeah. um, one from a U.S. magazine and one from a European magazine. So that was just like mind blowing, you know, yeah. it was like, it's like winning a Grammy. You're like, yeah. dude, this is what I have set out to do. Like yeah. since I started down this path, I've always, you know, I would see like the, the Goodwood award stickers and be like, yeah. if I could ever make a board that could win an award like that that's yeah. the dream and to get it on your first one that's crazy yeah and it was just like whoa maybe I do know what I'm talking about you know it was like I was like I was so into it and like I love doing this but it was you know I had no real like proof that I could do something from start to finish and so yeah it was like it was I mean dream come true moment yeah 100% yeah, yeah it was we're all so proud <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Whole snowboard community. I was. I was like, he's doing it. Oh yeah, I, I could not believe it. It was. It was unreal. Yeah. yeah, it was so cool. And who? Um, before we transition out, like, who is the alchemist for? Yeah. So, um, really, this is designed for like, like more aggressive, uh, like all mountain kind of charger rider. It's not over the top stiff. So it, you know, if you're like that intermediate up rider you can totally get on this thing and have a great time but it's more someone who wants to go fast ride powder hit cliffs that sort of like directional hard charging that's what this thing's made to do mm -hmm. um yeah it's perfect it's so much fun yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll get on this thing and you can go so fast on it and you feel so in control it's pretty crazy it's that's got, cool yeah. there's a i've had yeah there's a few solemn boards in their line that you're able to just like open it up and yeah. you're like ah oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no stress. It's so safe. Now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're not gonna go over the nose or anything. It's yeah, it's rad. But yeah, it's got such a fun quadratic side cut, a uh, bunch of pretty insane yeah. tech in there. That's great. Yeah. Let's get into the what's the next one? Is, is there the lineup that we got here? Um, is this sort of like the lineage of the boards you've worked on and been most involved with, or are they kind of just like some of your favorite standouts? Um, Faded so, out in the passport. Uh, so these are some of my favorites. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So at, at this point, so that, yeah, this, these are part of our landscape collection, which is a whole collection of free ride snowboards. So really the goal with the landscape collection is we want to have a board for absolutely everybody in the line. Um, so like what, so if you're a free rider, there should be a board within this line that works for you. So, and these ones are, yeah, um, have some great stories to them, how they came to fruition. And then, um, definitely some of my personal favorites. So we can get into, yeah, the antidote, which yeah, would totally. be the next one. Let's so this was, uh, an evolution of the alchemist, um, and how this, how this board came to be Sage Kotzenberg. Uh, I mean, yeah, you've known him forever. That's I've familiar. known him forever. Um, you know, since I started down this path, we had always kind of talked like, oh, it'd be sick if we could work together someday, like, you know, work on, on the same brand, whatever. 
and he had some stuff happen where he was going to start a company and it fell through and you know, we were snowboarding at Brighton one day and I was like, yo, do you want to try a K2 board? Like I've got an extra, I think you'd like it. And he just started riding them. And it was just this natural progression of like, wow, like this is perfect. You're designing the boards. We snowboard together. I'm liking how these things are riding. Like, let's just do this. Like at that point, he's just like, I just want to be a part of something and work on product. And he's like super detail oriented with product, obviously insane at snowboarding. So his feedback is and he's one of those who like gives really, really, really dialed feedback. He notices every tiny little minutia detail and it's, it's incredible to work with him on that. So, so from the alchemist, once he got on board, we wanted to design more of like an all mountain freestyle version of that board. Yeah. So um, what, like alchemist to antidote, what were kind of the, like, keep this, change that items. Um, so the tech in this board, uh, a lot of the tech we kept. So the space glass and the tip and the tail. And then we have this recess 3D, which it's a little hard to see. Um, maybe you can get like a little bit of a shimmer in the, in the camera. But these are CNC milled pockets out of the wood core. So it's like when you take a piece of paper and fold a crease in it, it creates structure in the piece of paper so it's not floppy anymore. So you're basically creating structure into the fiberglass. So you're increasing the stiffness, but reducing the weight. And that has, the Alchemist has that as well. So with Sage, it was like, okay, we want to make this all mountain freestyle weapon, super lightweight, lively, has a lot of really cool features. And those were the initial two things that we started with. And then from there it was, you know, that's a very directional core profile. And we wanted a little bit more of a twin core profile and then a little bit more of a twin side cut and uh flex pattern to it so with this he was it was the first you know natural selection was it had happened one year and then he was doing the jackson stuff which we were talking about before we started airing and it was like hey i want the perfect board for the jackson course at natural selection that's a specific need that yeah so that was a need so it was really cool like okay so I started like, you know, looking, looking at that terrain and like, okay, what do you need out of a board for that terrain? You need something that's has a lot of pop because you know, there's a lot of really big jumps. You need something super nimble, can ride powder, can turn on a dime. Like there's all these criteria that we had and it's like, okay, let's get to work. Let's start trying to figure out the design that is going to be best for that. And so there's, there's tons of tech that goes into this thing. You know, one cool feature is, uh, we added, it's called 3d base contour. So past the contact point and the tip and the tail, it's lifted ever so slightly, which isn't revolutionary. Like there's other companies that do this, but I think how it's done in this board is super unique to itself where it starts after your effective edge. So on hard pack, you get a hundred percent effective edge. Uh, but in powder, the board rides like a tapered board because that spoon in the tail basically allows it to turn a little bit more nimble. So you can flip it over and like you can sort of see mm. kind of on the base right there. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really like, okay, how can we make this thing really nimble and turn like a tapered board, but you can still land switch on it because you have your full width tail. And so started adding in these features to try and like figure this out and like make the board that 
uh, he really wanted to ride. Um, and you know, we rode the first prototypes and we were like, Whoa, we are onto something like, this is crazy. This feels like no other board we've ridden. Um, and, and then, yeah, so got the board finished and he ended up winning the Jackson stop of natural selection on the board. Yeah. So it was kind of a good feedback. Obviously, (laughs) obviously the guy strapped into it is, you know, capable, pretty good. Um, but it was just really cool to like, be the guy that got him there. I mean, I, I like to, like, I was a stepping stone, but really it's like, you know, for me, like, especially when I'm working with team riders, it's, I want to make snowboards for people to be confident on, you know, so you don't have to think about your equipment, right? Cause like, you know, you've ridden boards where you're like, all right, I'm hitting a really big jump. This thing's crazy soft. So I can't land backseat or it's just going to loop out. Like having that on top of having to do a back 10 or something like that's the last thing you want to think about. So I think that was really cool to where it just gave him full confidence to be like, I know the board's going to do its thing. I just got to do my thing. And yeah, so it was, it was a really cool, like proof in the pudding, like, oh yeah, we did it. That's sick. Yeah. And then, um, the passport, what's up with that thing? It's another board in this line. Yeah. 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 So, um, this was, uh, this was sort of a little bit of a, a selfish project. This board, it was initially not even supposed to be a thing in the line. Um, but you know, so I've, I've grown up riding Brighton since I was, I think I started skiing there when I was two years old. Um, so a really long time. Um, and the Millie side of the mountain is, you know, you know, it's like, it's, it's a, just a freestyle powder, like playground. It's everything you could ever want, uh, for either riding perfect groomers in the morning or going to hit cliffs, side hits, whatever. It's got it all. It's like a snowboarder's dream. Yeah, it's the best. So I, you know, low-key wanted to basically make a perfect Millie board, (laughs) you know? Um, And that was, so it was sort of just like this behind-the-scenes thing that, you know, and this was like during COVID when I was designing this board. So there was a lot of like uncertainty with as far as like how snowboarding as a whole was going to, React out. Yeah. And so it was like, okay, well, we can't have too many projects because we don't want to spend a ton of money on building molds and all this stuff. Uh, and it turns out snowboarding ended up booming, so it was all good. But yeah, this was really like, how can I make the perfect Millie board? Like something that has a super fun side cut, a, a, enough taper to ride powder and have a lot of fun. It has a really balanced outline. So it's uh, a little bit more nose and tail, you know, like an inch and a half more nose and tail. So you can still ride switch totally fine. Land switch has plenty of kicktail. Um, but really the goal, like if you ride Millie, you can basically, you're going to ride everything. And that's what I wanted to do with this board is just make the most versatile board I possibly could with that little bit of that freestyle mindset to it. Cool. Yeah. So this is definitely... Um, I would say I ride this board in the Alchemist the most. Yeah. Um, is this kind of more like getting into like, who's this board for? Is this sort of like a daily driver? You might not have access to the gnarliest pow days, but you still want to like shred. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's a super, and one cool thing with the landscape boards is they're all unisex. So they go down to like low one forties all the way up to, you know, mid mid one sixties. So this board specifically is super approachable for a really wide range of riders, like from, you know, like upper beginner all the way through expert riders. Like 
everybody can get on this thing and have a really good time. And it's obviously like if you're an expert rider and you want something a little bit more playful, this is a great board for you. But if you want something a little bit more aggressive, you might want to look at these other boards behind us. So, you know, the, the person at the shop still has to do their job yeah. and uh, yeah. steer people in the right direction. But yeah, it's, it's like a really solid intermediate advanced rider type board that can just do everything. So if you're like, Oh, I want to ride some trees, powder, maybe go in the park a little bit, probably not spending much time in there, but just exploring the whole mountain. That's exactly what this board's made to do. Cool. It's like the feedback on this one specifically, cause it's, it's geared towards such a wider range of riders. It's, yep. it's been amazing how, how many people have gravitated towards it and, yeah. and absolutely love it. Even, yeah. And then even as like a, a rider, Solomon, from what you're describing, Solomon has, I think a similar board. Would you say this is maybe in a similar line as the Super 8? Uh, yeah, it's like, like concept. Of yeah. It's like need. Uh huh. Yeah. Use it's a little, yeah, it's a little narrower, um, and a little less directional, but similar, yeah. uh, similar type of rider for yeah. sure. Yeah. And like that board has been my go-to recommended board. And it's mm -hmm. also just my go-to daily driver yeah. where I'm like, you know, not every day is a pow day. Yeah, Most yeah. days aren't pow days yeah. and not every day is like a go after in the park. A lot of days are just like. I'm going to cruise around. Maybe there's yeah. a little pal. Yeah. Most likely I'm going to be like hot lapping and like doing side hits and do some laps through the park. What's kind of this like, what board is just good at getting down the mountain? Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, and exactly. I, I feel like that's such a, a cool thing to sort of, um, you know, put out in the line is that yeah. like daily driver Yeah, in a way. Oh, for sure. I mean, and you know, we're fortunate to be here where we have access to really good powder a lot of the times um, where a lot of people don't get that option, no. you know? No. And so just having a, a fun board to do everything on is super important. And that's where, yeah, this thing came to be. Oh yeah. That's sick. Yeah. All right. I'm going to put it back up and then, um, dude, what's, uh, you know, we're kind of transitioning from fall, uh, summer to fall, soon fall to winter. What's, yep. what's on the horizon? So I've been working on a, a new pal surf company, which has been super exciting. It's called 4d like fourth dimension. Uh, so that's, a, that's a big one coming up. It's exciting. Uh, yeah. So starting to press, uh, all new board shapes and everything. Uh, Griffin Siebert's going to be doing some art on them, which is exciting. So get the, the homies involved. Yep. Um, yeah, uh, maybe a surf trip or two before winter starts and then, yeah, just kind of jump right into things, get going on, you know, we've got a big year of new product coming out. So got to get working on testing stuff. Sick, man. Yeah. Well, dude, thank you so much. Um, you know, it's always nice just talking shop with you and, and catching up, but it's fun to do it in this setting. Yeah, I really sick. appreciate you being able to, to cruise out and hop on. Um, of course. Any thank yous you wanted to toss out? Yeah, thank you to my mom and dad, Pam and Lincoln, first of all. They're the best. Uh, yeah, just endless thank yous to them. Girlfriend Grace, friends and family, uh, everybody. Yeah, thank you for hosting me. Thanks, Backcountry, for doing this. This is super cool. And yeah, K2 for believing in me and letting me do all the things I've been doing and making some cool boards for everyone. So yeah. Good stuff, man. Well, I'm excited. It's been cool to see everything you've done. And, you know, I feel like you're kind of just at the, the tip of the iceberg. So it'll be cool to watch the uh, 
the story continue and see everything you continue to do. I'm, I'm really excited and, you know, I bet K2 and, and snowboarding is very grateful to have someone as passionate as you behind the wheel. Yeah, on, no problem. Some boards. Yeah, <laughs> happy to do it. And thank you to everyone that tuned in. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. If you have any questions, hit up your local gearhead or reach out in the comments below. And in the meantime, from the crew at Backcountry, we'll see you out there. <laughs>